Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Welcome to today's episode of New Cyber Frontier. Today, talking about a topic that I think is very relevant, confidential computing. On today with me is Dave Singh uh, with Intel. He is the confidential computing business development manager, but has a deep kind of um, level of understanding for this that I think comes across to everybody. We're not going to get into the technical weeds of the the math bits and everything, but a good, uh, what is it? So many people have asked or wondered what confidential computing is, heard of SGS, X, um, and what TDX now, so software guard extensions. But Dave, welcome today. Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Super excited to be here. Yeah, definitely. So introduce the topic, kind of give us a little rundown on what what your background is and how you got to where you're at with uh, what you do here at Intel. Yeah, so I've been at uh, Intel for many, many years. Uh, Right now I'm in the uh, office of the CTO and specifically focused on security technologies. Uh, Obviously, we have a number of technologies built into the silicon and attached to those features built into silicon are software and services. Many of those are focused very specifically on security. My role is to evangelize the set of technologies that delivers on the confidential computing promise. Uh, And I work with um, software providers and CSPs and enterprises to say sort of spread the good word about confidential computing and related technologies and then help customers implement those in their uh, data centers and at the edge. Okay. So if I now had to say, let me step back, I've never heard of confidential computing other than maybe the word. Give us a high level explanation of what that is. Yeah, sure. So confidential computing is an industry term. Um, it's kind of a, it's both a, a great one and a bad one. Um, it's, uh, it's great in that, well, it really is what it sounds like. We're protecting confidentiality of your data and IP while you're computing. Um, but it's actually a very specific uh, implementation, right? So a lot of times I'll ask folks, hey, are, are you doing confidential computing? And everybody says, yeah, of course. I, I'm computing. I'm, I, I take many steps to protect confidentiality. Yeah. But but actually, when the term confidential computing here means very specifically implementing hardware protections for the computation on sensitive data and, and, and IP while it's actively being processed on the server. Okay. So hardware protections. That's right. Help us understand why that is important. If yeah. I, so hey, um, I'm running my software on my computer. I'm running it on the cloud. Why, you know, I don't even care about the hardware. Tell me about yeah, why that, that's important. Yeah. So really it comes down to um, sort of think about encryption and uh, when to encrypt and, and the benefits of encryption. You know, um, as an industry, we've sort of been trained and embraced and deployed encryption on data at rest, right? So anytime your your data sitting on the disk, uh, of course you encrypt it. You, you don't want 
uh, bad actors to get access to it and, and get access to your, your secrets. So that's solved. You know, you know, data at rest, we call it data at rest, encrypted, solved. Same data in motion, right? Um, anytime we're going to send data from one device to another, we send it over an encrypted network connection. So solved, right? Um, everybody does that. That's been deployed. But as soon as you take your encrypted file off the disk, you send it across your encrypted network, it lands on the server. Well, the first thing that you have to do is decrypt it. And now it's in plain text, in memory, on that server, in hard, in, uh, on that device. And so any, um, any applications, any software, any OS, any VM, any uh, system administrator in the cloud who has access to that server can now potentially have visibility into your sensitive data that's been loaded into system RAM. And so that sort of last mile traditionally has not been encrypted. We have encrypted leading all the way up to the time it gets on the server. It's once it's decrypting starts processing, that's when the good stuff happens. That has not been uh, protected while in use. And so confidential computing is about using the capabilities of the hardware to protect computation while all that data is actively being processed on the server. All right. I'm going to take a break. We'll be right back. We'll unpack that a little bit. Be right back. BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer -peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. On today with Dave Singh of Intel. Uh, and that was a great explanation of confidential computing and kind of that last mile of when it's actually being used that most people probably don't think of. It's, you know, when I'm storing it, whatever, but now it's being operated on. Other processes that are running on that system can look at it. Are we talking, you know, our cloud provider and their systems that can look at our data? Is that something we're worried about? Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody remembers sort of the Snowden revelations where uh, government is able to go and subpoena your cloud service, provider, for example, to get access to uh, hardware. Uh, and again, that's all available to them. What confidential computing uh, intends to do is make it so that even the cloud service provider who has physical access to the hardware that your workload is running on, even they cannot have visibility into the data while it's being processed. Interesting. So you said what we're looking to do. I look for those key keywords. How adopted is this? Is it something that's new? You know, give us a little bit of the background history of it and where it's at as far as how many people use it. Yeah, so confidential computing, uh, Intel's been deploying that in our silicon products for close to 10, 10 years now. Uh, we brought it to the data center um, about five years ago. So um, uh, in cloud service 
providers today, like in Microsoft Azure and in IBM Cloud, uh, and a number of other uh, providers as well, have servers that have this capability built in. And then a number of them have also built services around this feature. Obviously, um, some customers go to a cloud service provider and access bare metal, in which case the capability is there for you for you to use as you like. Um, other CSPs have built entire services around offering confidential computing very specifically. And in that case, they're beyond the hardware, there's an entire set of uh, sort of software stacks, VMs, for example, that provide this as sort of a, a one-click capability to protect your uh, your data while it's in that cloud. Interesting. So when would I... You know, I have to pay extra for this is what I'm hearing. If I talk talk to my cloud service provider, I have to pay extra to get a confidential computing capability? Um, maybe. I mean, like, so it depends. Uh, so in, in terms of the feature in the silicon, it's just there. It, it, there's no extra uh, charge for the feature in the silicon. Um, today, most uh, cloud service providers that I'm aware of who are offering this are offering it uh, as at, at no fee for the capability. Okay. Um, I, I guess there are probably some who charge for, but yeah, like I say, it, it depends. Yeah. So it, not much cost to it. Is there some change in the operation performance? Why wouldn't we just have it on every, everywhere, every, every instance? Yeah. So, um, so it, I mean, the, to implement confidential computing, um, Intel has a couple of different features in this space. Uh, one, the SGX, as you mentioned earlier, that's really targeted at protecting a specific application or even an algorithm within an application, right? Um, it, it all comes down to what do you trust on that system? And for the most sort of um, security conscious uh, customers and applications, you want to shrink the trust boundary to be as small as possible. And so maybe you only want to decrypt your data and allow a single algorithm uh, to view that data. Uh, and in that case, you would run that operation inside of this SGX capability or inside of a secure enclave, as we call it. Um, and to do that, there is some code modification typically that's required. You have to apply an SDK in order to call on APIs to say, when this application is running this algorithm, only run it in that secure portion of the hardware. And when you decrypt data, only send it encrypted uh, over to that secure data and only open it inside of that secure enclave and don't allow visibility to any other ingredient or person on the system. To do that, to take advantage of those APIs and send that processing to the secure enclave, there is software modification that's required. And so part of what uh, I do and what my team does is um, provide the tools and uh, help necessary for software developers to either build code from scratch that takes advantage of this or um, modify existing applications to follow on those APIs. So in the case of SGX with the tightest possible security, yes, there's there's new effort uh, required. New effort. And new effort. is there a performance change if I'm running in that, that mode? Yeah. So the, there there's a performance hit to sort of go in and out of that mode, right? Because you are, you have encrypt and decrypt. And so um, once you're up and running inside of that secure enclave, you're running at line speed, right? You have full, uh, the full power of the processor. Um, but to get in and out, you pay some uh, performance penalty. And so another thing that my team does is work with developers to help 
minimize the number of times that uh, your application might go in and out. So caddy applications, uh, they'll see a, a bigger performance hit. Once you get, if you can get optimized to get in and do a lot of processing before you come out and you see minimal uh, overhead. Gotcha. Um, so you wouldn't continuously operate in this mode with your whole application or else you can't use the, 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 the you can't interface with the externals, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And you, you can, but uh, you, you'll pay some performance penalty each time you come in and out. So okay. uh, ideally what you want to do is um, bring as much data and have as, as strong of an algorithm as possible and, and do all the processing there and get the ultimate result uh, and then come out. Okay. So would you also try to do like an asynchronous where you run something in the background using that and then you get the data to use it after it's been processed to do yeah. it later? So you try to do these things so that they're not impacting your performance would be exactly. the ultimate effort. Okay. Exactly. And um, we can, we provide um, mechanisms, right? Uh, again, these are just um, sort of containers where processing can happen. And so you can have multiple secure enclaves that are uh, in a system and can, can communicate with each other. And so you can allow processing to happen there and then uh, have interfaces in between. Okay. So if I think about it in terms of, of a cloud and some people might know what a Docker is, would my whole Docker that whole application be able to run in a, in a, in a secure software guard extension, what safeguard SGX means. Yeah. Yeah. We do have ways to do that. Uh, and there that's typically done using what we call a library OS and mm -hmm. a library OS is a mechanism that, well, you can essentially think of it as a, a wrapper for your Docker container. Um, there's a number of library uh, operating systems out there that, uh, that do this, uh, they're sort of specifically designed to provide this, um, uh, allow you to implement SGX without having to modify your code as I described and, and drop in an entire container. Um, one of these operating library OSs that Intel contributes to specifically is an open source project called Gramming. And so Gramming is intended to make it easy to adopt uh, SGX. And in fact, one of the tools available from that uh, Grammy project is um, a Docker uh, container uh, sort of uh, utility where you, as, as you described, bring your Docker container as is, run it against this utility, and now it will become uh, optimized for SGX. Okay, interesting. So we're gonna take a break. Uh, we'll be right back after we hear from our sponsors. BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer -peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. On today with Dave Singh, um, an interesting conversation, the safe software guard extensions. And there's another piece that that you've you've told me the trust domain extensions. Yeah. So let's as talk I, as about I the 
the difference between those two. Yeah, totally. So as I mentioned, um, SGX uh, is targeted on protecting a specific application or algorithm, and it's been out for a number of years and, and is available today in the data center. Um, a new technology that was just launched earlier this year uh, and is now sort of in um, uh, private preview at various CSPs is called Trust Domain Extensions. And there the intent is not to protect a single algorithm, but rather to uh, protect an entire VM. So in the case of TDX, uh, what you'll be able to do is essentially, uh, again, like in your uh, uh, example, bring your existing entire unmodified VM and simply uh, select a TDX protected VM when you load that on your server. And in that case, um, the benefit, of course, is none of that modification uh, or code surgery or library OS that I talked about is necessary. Um, you simply turn on the, the capability and now your entire VM is protected. Uh, so definitely a, a very um, sort of easy kind of lift and shift implementation. Uh, of course, the, uh, that's the plus. The drawback is is the size of the trust boundary. So again, in the case of SGX, you only need to trust the algorithm, a specific algorithm itself. That's how tight you can get that down to. And an algorithm can be, you know, tens of lines of code. Uh, in the case of TDX, you're protecting the entire uh, VM. So at that point, you have to trust your, the entire applications that you're running in that VM, you have to uh, trust the guest OS, everything that's part of that uh, container is within the trust boundary. So very easy to get this uh, protection. And, and again, that'll sort of isolate you from other applications and administrators who have access to the server, but you still have to trust the millions of lines of code that might be in your VM. Okay. So... Uh, and I'm trying to trying to put put my head around the 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 difference between, you know, the trust boundary. If I'm outside, yeah. I'm stopped, you know, and I'm looking at your VM running. I can't tell what it is if I'm the administrator on the the cloud service provider. That's right. But as soon as I SSH into it, I have the same access as I would right. on a normal server. And that's yes. So so it's you have to then monitor or, or manage all the access into it and you're just protecting the outside from you know people that's looking right. in that's right all your uh, best practices around access control uh continue to apply but now you have much greater control over who can access it in the case of no confidential computing you can have access control but bad actors can come over the top by viewing uh memory directly uh, in the case of confidential computing, you sort of eliminate that ability to come over over the top, and only now you're back to a space where only those who have the credentials that are, you're managing can have visibility. Okay, so how would this be impacted by, say, a rootkit installed inside that VM in your inside the trust domain? Is it is it protected from that external? You know, yeah, once it's, it's inside, uh, it, well, how's that? Once impact? it's inside, it, yeah, a bad actor inside of a hardware protected uh, enclave it has full visibility, okay. right? So that, that's exactly why um, 
you want to take into consideration this the size of the trust boundary right so, so uh if you're building around if you're building using sgx building around a single algorithm you can have it's a lot easier to have confidence around what's running inside of that enclave uh if you're doing the entire vm of course you can uh you can you, you have to go through the effort to ensure you don't have uh malware inside of your vm but it's a much bigger job gotcha Okay. So, so when it comes to that, most people think, okay, here's security. Why not? Don't we just implement the best and greatest security everywhere? Who wouldn't want to do this? What, you know, if I, you're looking at an application, that's a good candidate for this, who wouldn't want to? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think, uh, Long-term, my expectation is that all computing is confidential computing, right? This, uh, just like today, um, you know, I, I talk about network security and uh, on-disk security. Everybody does do it. Well, there was a time where everybody didn't do it. I, on, the, on my web browser, I have a lock now, the little lock, uh, and it's on every site for the most part, but in the past it wasn't. Um, I think it's really a matter of uh, the ramp uh, and in introducing the technologies. As, as I said, um, this... Uh, SGX is in a uh, number of CSPs today. We've been shipping that for a while. TDX just available starting this year. So um, it's not ubiquitous yet, but it will be. And once it is, um, I expect that's the standard way that you do computing. Yeah. So would this would this be, be a, a good thing for privacy uh, of operations, of, of maintaining privacy, I guess, from your 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 internet service provider, your cloud service provider, that they don't have access to run algorithms and see the operations inside of your, your system and what's going on. So is that something that's also going to change in this paradigm? Yeah. So um, there's a number of reasons why a customer is deploying this. We've talked today uh, at, uh, quite a bit about um, protection from your cloud service provider. Um, but the privacy of data from other parties is another key uh, use case. So we see entire new businesses being built up around this idea of being able to collaborate with uh, multiple parties, maybe even competitors, bring data together and do analytics on it without uh, exposing the data itself. So, so you know, key use cases I would talk about are in, in financial vertical, for for example, one of the favorite uh, confidential computing um, sort of poster children is uh, detecting uh, money laundering, right? And and money laundering to detect that, obviously, you need different banks to uh, collaborate. You need to be able to do analytics uh, for traveling uh, funds across different accounts, and that's and in that case, you're dealing with very sensitive personal data, you're dealing with sensitive business data, and as I mentioned, you're, you're dealing with competing banks sharing data to, to really track that money. And of course, in the real world, that was never really feasible. Uh, what mm -hmm. confidential computing allows you to do is bring that sensitive data, bring that data from competing parties, and inject it into this secure enclave and run analytics against it. Everybody can benefit from the sort of the response that comes out, the identification of uh, money laundering without seeing each other's data. So if your your competitor could give you an algorithm that's locked in an enclave, put their data in it and analyze it for problems 
without giving you access to the data. And exactly. That's kind of where you're going with that. Yeah, we can jointly do processing on the data without having visibility to it. So beyond the agreed upon algorithm. Okay. So it's kind of like a, a polymorphic encryption type of supporting tool or instead of, how does that, how yeah. do you kind of work together? Yeah, that's right. I, I think um, certainly there'll be use cases that implement the two, but um, today, kind of the use cases I'm described, it's an instead of. Okay. Interesting. All right. So, so um, it sounds like, you know, and I, and I know this has been around or at least in the works for a while. Uh, it's still not, you know, in mass adoption. And that might be because of the software development curve, the learning curve to get new applications onto it. Is that what you're seeing? Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's um, it, it's that. And frankly, it's awareness. Like we started at the very beginning of this. Um, uh, a lot of folks are not aware of confidential computing. And um, in fact, I, I talk to customers all the time who this idea of having to protect the last mile has not even been... Uh, it has not even be, been on the radar yet. So I, I think it's a it's a matter of education and then, of course, uh, ramping uh, within the software community itself. Gotcha. So, you know, as far as education, you're with Intel. Is this technology specific to Intel? If somebody develops something for your software guard extension, does it work in a competitor's? Is there a standard there yet? How's that developing? Yeah, confidential computing actually is an industry term. And in fact, there's an industry consortium, the uh, Confidential Compute uh, Consortium. And that has, uh, gosh, I've lost count of the number of vendors, but um, the big names uh, are, are all there. Uh, it's, uh, it's one that is doing the education and driving standards uh, broadly. And, and I think um, as you go to your cloud service provider or you go to your uh, hardware OEM, or you go to your uh, your favorite uh, software provider, um, they'll be able to, they will have solutions that uh, are represented by uh, and um, have, have been brought to market through this uh, confidential compute consortium. Interesting. So, you know, I, I hear a good need for it when you're thinking about cloud and shared data or uh, processing resources. What about your on-prem? If I have my own servers, why and when would I use it in that type of environment? Yeah, there's a, a few different reasons. Um, well, one is sort of just built-in su suspender security, right? Um, if any type of malware that might get onto your on-prem device that is able to succeed by getting an escalated privilege, uh, that's something you want to protect against. And so uh, if you're on-prem running your uh, workload inside of a confidential compute enclave, then malware with escalated privilege can't get access to it. Um, from a privacy perspective, you may have, you know, you may have company policies or maybe you're, you have regulatory policies that require that you have isolation between users or business units or what have you. So you can implement there. And then um, finally, uh, a lot of use cases end up putting uh, your IP in somebody else's uh, infrastructure, even though it's on-prem. So, for example, I work with a number of um, uh, machine learning vendors. Right? You spend millions of dollars training a model, and now 
how you need to land that model in somebody else's infrastructure at, at a hospital or in a factory or, or what have you. You want to protect the model itself. You want to make sure that even though it might be on a an appliance server sitting in that hospital or that factory or wherever, you want to make sure that your model is protected from whoever might have access to that device uh, at the edge. And so again, you run that inside of a confidential compute enclave, it's protected from anybody except for whom you give that access to. Interesting. So I could use that as a licensing model for my software and say, can I say my software won't run unless it's inside a secure enclave? Can I do those type of checks? Yeah, of course. One of the features that I haven't talked about, it's sort of a, a key feature of the feature is called attestation. So if you think about um, this is all this whole scenario that we're talking about is uh, me as a sensitive data owner sending my data to a remote device and then having confidence that I can decrypt it and process it there without it being compromised. Well, um, before I send that data there, I want to make sure that it really is landing on a server that has this uh, hardware. I want to make sure that that hardware is up to date, if there's been any security vulnerabilities, that it's been patched properly. I even want to make sure that uh, the algorithm that I talked about that's being protected in the, in the Enclave, I want to make sure that that algorithm hasn't been tampered with, right? If, if, if I have two banks, competing banks, agreeing to work together and do something on the data that they can't see, they want to know exactly what uh, that scan is going to be, that analysis is going to be, and exactly what's coming out. And so they'll agree on the code. I have a capability that allows you to do all those checks before sending your data. So you get ready to send the data, you query the server, are you genuine, are you up to date, is the software untampered? Once the response, you get a, a response that says, yes, this is as you expected, then you can go ahead and send your data and IP to that device. So attestation is a key feature of confidential computing. Yes. So you can prove that somebody is doing the operation that you require and that their, yes. their systems meet the specs. Interesting. That's right. Well, yeah, we're kind of reaching time. Is there anything else you want, you would like to get out to our audience, how they can get a hold of you, how they can engage with you? Uh, go ahead and do that this time. Uh, yeah. So as I say, Confidential Computing is an industry initiative. So check out the Confidential Computing Consortium uh, at Intel. You can, you can go to intel.com and we have all sorts of information about confidential computing and SGX and TDX and um, case studies describing uh, both uh, software applications that have implemented the capability and customers that have uh, implemented in their data centers. Yeah. Well, I look forward to checking out some of those because that was something we didn't get to, but use cases is always a good thing to help it seat home with people, but uh, they can check out those resources for that. And thanks so much for joining today, Dave. Right on. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. All right. Have a good one. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of New Cyber Frontier. Remember to get involved. Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at NewCyberFrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this show possible. I want to thank each of you for supporting the show, and we look forward to seeing you back 
for the next episode of New Cyber Frontier.